This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks and welcome to How You Going Mate, the podcast. Uh, my guest on the podcast today is a, another uh, uh, old friend of mine, someone I've known for a long time, uh, and we've taken a slightly different tack this week. Uh, we're having a, a little bit of a chat about uh, mental health and uh, sport. Uh, so the importance of, uh, I guess, being connected to a group of people uh, when you play sport, but also uh, what you replace that with when you finish playing a team sport, when you uh, probably, perhaps get a little bit too old to do so. So uh, without further ado, Craig, how you going, mate? I'm doing well. This is podcast number three. Number three. Who I knew? Come yeah. a long way so far already. Oh, look, we've uh, thank you to everyone that's listened so far. We've had 162 total listens. Wow. And good feedback as well. Good feedback. Well, I know my messages keep coming through after the, <laughs> yeah. the, the podcast. Yeah. So. When can I be on? When yeah. can I be on? Can I be next? Can I be next? <laughs> no pressure. Um, no, no, just you and me. Just you and me. Don't worry about the wife. Um <laughs> But um, yeah, the the last podcast, and I want to say a big thank you um, to Nathan because Nathan was fantastic, um, better than I even expected it to be. And um, we're going to have Nathan on for a second go um, follow up later on in the year because there's more. <laughs> like there's so many more questions I want to ask that dude. Like I, I like I want to know, I want to know what rehab actually feels like. Like I want to know, like what's because I don't know if you remember he was talking about you know. You go in and there's no phones, there's no internet, there's no enough. 28 days of total... That's kind of my dream, actually, <laughs> at times. <laughs> no phone, no, no internet. No. But even, and this is probably every every dude's dream, um, you know, his wife would ring him and he'd go, how's so-and-so? Don't worry about it, you don't need to know. And you go, wow, I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to sort of delve into, like, what a day, what mm. an actual day looks like. You know, what do you do in those days? And, mm. you know, what do you, like, I, I've almost forgotten what you do with yourself. <laughs> you know, I used to read books, I know that. I think coming from you having known him for so long mm. was one thing, but even me not knowing him and just hearing the story, even I had questions after. And I think that was the point of how good the story was um or probably good isn't the word to use but the, the story it really you know got me in there and i just you know i feel like i want to have a conversation with him and, and start talking about things and you know actually good is the word to use i don't i, I, I know you're kind of thinking from a perspective of like oh yeah no it's not good to it's not good what he went through and it's obviously not good what happened with his family but good from the perspective of um and the whole point of this project is to get people talking. You know, we want people to talk about it, and we want people to, to be really open, really honest, and say, listen, this is where my mental health's at, this is how I'm going, this is my story, this is what happened to me, and for people to feel comfortable enough to talk about that. And, you know, we, we've talked about this in our own 
interactions around the thing, the amount of people in our world that have actually come forward, you know, for me as well, mm-hmm. and, and guys that we know together that have come forward and gone, this is my story. Yeah. This is where I'm at. And and when somebody is, and, and it sounds a bit, it sounds a bit, you know, new agey to say it, but when someone's brave enough to actually go, like, here's my story, mm. for everyone else to go, okay, cool, I, I feel safe. Like, if that's what happened to you, mm. you're not going to judge me, you're not going to make me feel bad, you're not going to look at me and go, you know, at no stage with Nathan's story last podcast did I sit there and, like, be flabbergasted because that's his story. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't want people to kind of go, <gasps> mm. he wants people to just hear his story, find something in it that they can Take the good with. from it. Yeah, and take it away. On. Yep, and and it worked for him. And interestingly enough, now I'm hearing South Pacific Private Hospital ads on the radio all the time. I, all last week, that's all I heard. <laughs> Triple actually. M all the time, <laughs> which probably says something about Triple M's listener base as well. Yeah. But you know, that's I guess they've got to know where the target audience is, and if it is that one person that listened to it, like Nathan, at that perfect time, yep. that's that's the job well done. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I found that quite fitting and it is always that ad or something that you may have heard a thousand times meant absolutely nothing to you mm. until that one time that you needed it mm. and you know in his his uh, story it's a, the perfect timing so yeah yeah now i'm i found out something during the week i never knew this um craig for those of you that can't see because you can't because there's no camera he's wearing his birong sports football club jumper and do you know birong is actually an aboriginal word for stars well, it sums me up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Had you guys have known that when you played there, you probably would have played. That, that's apparently it's an Aboriginal word for stars. Wow, I, I guess that it was an Aboriginal word. Um, I know, you know, in and around the Bankstown area, uh, there's a lot of the different suburbs and and uh, streets and everything that do have a mm. lot of that history. Um, but yeah, obviously, Beerong. It's not a very common name, but no. um, yeah, that, that's amazing. I didn't know stars. that. Stars, stars. It's a Darug. Darug word, wow. Darug nation. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. There you go. Something that I saw like literally last week. <laughs> so we this one this week, what we're looking at is um, both of us have a back uh, history of sports. Yours is a little more extensive than mine, in that you you played soccer for thirty years. Thirty years. Yeah. How, how many games total? Uh, well, if you average it out, maybe fifteen or so a season. Yeah. So times that by 10, so 150 uh, for 10 years, times it three, nearly 450 games on average. Wow. And if we add in finals and grand finals? Yeah, for, you're pushing up upwards of, yeah, I'd say between 450 and 500 games yeah. of soccer. And like most like most sportsmen, I'm sure there were days where you played two, three. Yeah, we, did, know, we did double up quite a few. Play reserves, back up for first grade, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely all of that. Yeah, I think I had... I played for the Fairvale Old Boys Rugby Union Club. I think I had 120 in total. That mm-hmm. We were talking about, um, and we talked about this a couple of times, we were talking about that transition um, from being a, in a sporting club to then going back to being a normal person. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and the, the, I think the classic example that we see um, are elite-level Athletes, right? We we watch these elite level level athletes, 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 athletes. <laughs> uh, there's a Westie in me. Then we watch the elite level level athletes like um, the Libby Trickets and the Grant Hackett's and even somebody like Jeff Hugel. Jeff Hugel's um, he's amazing transformation. Yeah, 
and he and his his struggles are really well documented. Like he had drug and alcohol problems, and he ballooned up to about 130 kilos. Yeah, slimmed back down and came out and out of retirement and swimming the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, that was a massive achievement just yeah. to get back into the water. I think let alone was... compete. I, I'm not sure if he got a, a gold medal, but. I'm pretty sure he was up there and and uh, podium finish or something I along th- those lines. I think he, I think he might have been a silver, definitely. But yeah, you're right with the podium finish. Mm. Um, but the one of the uh, one of the things that we say when we talk about like mental health is we say, you know, and my thing is, I read this quote. And I'm trying to think today where I read it and I couldn't find the quote. But social connection and the ability to cooperate is our evolutionary superpower. And I've said this to you before, um, where you know human beings, and I want people to think about 150,000 years ago. I want people to think about what they call the anatomically modern humans, the very first version of us, the very first Homo sapiens. Now they weren't the biggest animal, and they weren't the the the, the strongest animal, and they weren't the fastest animal, and they didn't have any really no, no big claws, no huge jaw bones that could crush things, you know, nothing like that. Even our teeth are pretty useless, can't tear flesh really. What we had was this really big brain and the ability to form groups, right? And that was our advantage in our environment. The ability to work together, form groups, form teams. We we lived fairly naturally in family environments and then we had the, the clan and the tribe outside of that, mm-hmm. um, so extended family and then, you know, the larger tribal group. But the ability to form groups, the ability to cooperate, and I always talk about, and the, the one the example I always give is, you know, catching a crocodile. One person against one crocodile, not going to end well. You're going to, yeah. <laughs> but eight people against a crocodile, we're a chance. Yeah. And if we throw in a weapon, because that's what we did, we then went, well, hang on, that rock over there. If we chip away at it, there's a sharp edge. Well, that stick over there. If we yeah, so, start so, figuring it all out. And we got, and so eventually what we did was we worked out that if we form groups, we can survive. And a lot of people don't think about that. That carries on in today. And I, and I see this, and if you really look at it, you see this in a whole range of different areas, right? And sports is one of them. We naturally form this group, and we become really close-knit with this group of people. And it becomes such a huge part of our identity. Mm. And and you start to... That's our team. That's our family. Yeah. Mm. That, yeah, yeah. You're, and you think about, like, playing rugby, right? Rugby's a game where it's divided into forwards and backs. The forwards are a group of seven. Mm. The average family group is about seven people. And then you've got the bigger group, which is the, the, the team, the rest of the team. There's your, your kind of extended clan. Then you've got the club, which is your tribe, mm. you know, and that group of people, and we all dress the same colours, and we all, you know, sing the same songs and <laughs> use the same language and talk this and all those sorts of things. So we form these natural groups. Yeah, but it's super duper important to our mental health. Yeah, and I did a bit of research and leading up to this, we see that at the elite level, where you know you got these elite level footballers and 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 sports people, you know, netballers, swimmers, all the whole range. Starting at an elite elite level at say fourteen fifteen, you know, in rep sides. You know, I've got a friend, a couple of friends whose boys are playing uh, Harold Matthews and SG Ball for rugby league at the moment, and they're starting at at fourteen fifteen in those rep sides. So they're playing club footy, they're playing rep footy, they're usually playing for their school as well. Yeah, during the week. So they're training 
at least four nights a week, playing most weekends, usually playing at school as well. So it is every part of their life is dominated by that. And basically, if they're good enough and they become a, a Greg Inglis or a Jonathan Thurston or a Tim Cale or a Harry Kuehl, their entire world is just dominated by this sport. Mm. Everything that they do, they live, they eat, they breathe, they go to sleep, they wake up, you know. I got a friend who's a young bloke, um, you know, the coach gives him a diet and exercise program and he follows that diet and exercise program to the T. Yeah. If the rehab people tell him, ice your leg for 12 minutes at this time, he that's ices he does. 12 minutes that time, bang, that's his, that's his preparation. Mm. That's intense. Mm. That's intense. So it was really difficult. Um, but, yeah, I was quite fortunate in, in that last year, uh, I decided to hang up the boots mm. and I told the boys I'd kind of made a decision through the year that, you know, I had my son who was, well, he was about a year and a half at the time mm. and I felt that, you know, I didn't want to have my Saturdays taken up and I wanted to spend more time with him. So I had made the decision that, you know, this that year last year was going to be my last year. Yep. Uh, mentioned it to the boys uh, before our last home game of the year because I was going away and I said, you know, I'm hanging up the boots, let's go out on a winner. Um, then the boys did an amazing thing for me and sent around a message to each other. They made me captain for the day, which I was captain a few years before, but it was a, a nice honour. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, after scoring a goal, they uh, all formed a guard of honour and clapped me off. And I'm, I'm going to say, yes, I cried on the day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no shame, no shame. But it was it was amazing because, you know, all I wanted was to have my son to be able to watch me play. Yeah. Um, and then the boys ended up lifting for this, the uh, next two finals and made it to the grand final and, and we ended up winning the grand final on my final year. Oh, yeah. Um, I put my hand up, though, as a, as a senior guy because I was away for the two finals. Yeah. Um, I said to my coach, who's my mate, um, had you know, played soccer with him for you know, twelve years. I said to him, "Mate, you've got a you've got eighteen blokes and you've got fifteen positions. I'll put my hand up. I've won all those comps yeah. all the time. Um, I'm just happy for the young guys to yeah. be there." And you know, he was blown away, and he used that as fuel for the boys. Go, you know, this club legend. We won. We won for Clarkie. Yeah, <laughs> and mate, whatever it was, they ended up winning. So yeah, yeah. Um, I feel that my you know, my fairy tale ending came true. I, you know, I, I went out as a champion uh, for my last cl- uh, comp game. We went out as a champion that we won the competition. Yeah. And that happened to be my 25th year with the club, so I became life member of Biro. Wow. So it was a pretty, a pretty emotional year, um, but what, you know, even professionals dream of ending on, on yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. So to me, I, I thought, yep, I've ended, that's perfect. Um, coming into this year and not playing soccer, that's where it's a little bit different. Uh, it, it's a big shock to the system. I, I found that um, you get to about the time when pre-season training should start. And the grass smells good. Well, well no, actually, for me, pre- I, I always hated training. And I, I loved playing, but I hated training. And anyone who ever played with me will go, yes, we can completely agree with yeah. that. But um, pre- I got to the point where pre-season training started and I was like, oh, thank God I'm not doing that. I, I don't want to have to run up hills or <laughs> tackle bags or whatever we had to do. Um, but 
games started to play, and I initially really closely followed the results of my club. Which I've been doing this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then stopped over time. Pre-season for you, now you had the opposite reaction. You started to go, hang on, I should be training. I this good. Yeah, I, I always, I mean, I hated pre-season in the sense that every summer I put on weight. So it was as simple as that. Yeah. And pre-season I needed to get back to the weight that I should be. Um, this off-season wasn't an issue for that. Uh, I have been, I've been doing my own my own training. Yeah. I go to the gym you know, six times a week. Um, but it's that time of the year where you start seeing the other guys running around yeah. and having a kick and, you know, all the juniors playing. So you used to love yeah. them and the smell of the barbecue when you're going past every... That's yeah. the kind of thing that I missed. Yeah. I really missed that. Um, and so I didn't again, think it affect, affect me so much, but on the weekend, that was you know, what I'm used to. Yeah. And that's what I, I missed. I don't miss the injuries. That's no. probably the only thing I don't miss. Don't miss, mate, don't miss waking up sore. <laughs> not at all. But I do, you know, there's a lot that I do miss about not playing soccer. So the first game you go and watch, win, lose, or draw, doesn't matter. What, for you, what was it? Was there a niggling sort of. Oh, I want to go and play this again. Was it? Oh, I'm glad I'm not playing again. Was it? It was. It was mixed emotions. The first emotion was I watched all the guys rubbing Danka Rubby and strapping up their legs, yep. putting the socks on the tape yep. and everything. Didn't miss it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Walked in with my my uh, boardies on my my uh, thongs and. You'd be wrong life members jacket. Yeah, and, and sat down with a beer and just watched soccer. Didn't miss it a bit. Yeah, yeah. As the game went on, I was watching it and I was looking at that through ball that went through and get someone going up for a header or a corner or someone having yeah. a shot. Like, okay, maybe, maybe I do miss it a bit. Yeah. Um, and at the end of it, you know, the, the social aspect of it, I end up getting the car going home with my family and just yeah. doing my thing while yeah. the boys were standing around having a beer, a chat, yeah. a laugh. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe I, I miss it a little bit more than I was leading on, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, the, you know, there's different aspects. The the, the, the sports side of it, um, just playing the sport that I love. And the, the other part is the social aspect. So we come back to that connection aspect as well. And one of the, one of the hallmarks is of, of a team is the rituals that they have, mm. right? Um, and so, for example, the, the, the classic example of the All Blacks and the Harker, yep. right? Everybody knows the All Blacks, everybody knows the Harker. As an Aussie, I still love watching oh, it. I love it. <laughs> Same. If the All Blacks went out and didn't do the Harker, the world would lose its mind. Mm. What's wrong? What's happened? Where have they? What have they done? You know, For me, the one that, I, that got me... So you talked about uh, being a young bloke coming through... You know, the older blokes are there. And in our club, the older blokes did certain things that they then handed down to you. And one of those was the singing of the victory song. Yep. So my my club was the Fairvale Old Boys Rugby Union Club. We shortened that down to the FOBs, F-O-B-S. And this was before Islanders were a thing. I was going to say, before political correctness <laughs> yeah. uh, came in. So and our nicknames are the FOBs or the FOBBies. Come on, FOBBies. You know, that was our, our little chant. Now, our victory song was... Um, when the fobs go marching in to the tune of a song that will be very familiar to you when the Saints go marching in. It's not right? familiar at the moment, but yes. <laughs> well, I do recall it. I think they beat the Titans, didn't they? Somebody, yeah, we some... get to play them again, so <laughs> I'm hoping. Two for two, yeah, two for two. At least you're not, you're not on the bottom of the table. They're fairly yeah. eager to the bottom. But um, yeah. uh, so, and, and it was 
uh, a group of men standing around in the middle, a group of men standing around in a circle, I should say, one person in the middle, and he would lead the chant. So, it would, you know, when the fobs, and then they would reply with, when the fobs go marching in, go marching in, or when the, and then the whole group would join in, or when the fobs. Now, at one point in my career, I got given that job. Regardless of which grade I played in, regardless of what I did, that was my job. When first grade won, I went into the middle of the group and I sang the song. Let them off. And let them off. Spine tingling. Like yeah. Even now I'm getting like little chills <laughs> yeah. up my spine, right? The first year I went and watched my club play without me playing in the club, I didn't get to do that. Hmm. And I, I, was devast- like, I was devastated. Yeah. Like someone else did when the fobs go marching in. That's mine. That's my job. That's yeah. my ritual. Yeah. That's my my thing. That was passed to me. No one else can do that. Yeah. And and that's what I found the hardest. Like and we spoke about this a little while back. You're you're still there and everyone knows you and everyone loves you. And and I played a hundred games, so we used to get a gold jacket from when we played a hundred games. Mm-hmm. And so everyone knew if you had a gold jacket on, you played for the club, you'd played a hundred games, yeah. you deserved that level of respect. But I wasn't there yeah i was slightly disconnected because the circle was so big and you were just on the outside just of that on circle. the other side of it yeah. yeah you could still see everything and everyone could see you yeah yeah but you just weren't a part of it anymore yeah. and it and it's really hard to reconcile okay i'm i'm disconnected from this now and the struggle is and then we sort of spoke about this before then is you then have to go and and you, you were talking about you, you did the f45 thing you then have to go and find something else. Yeah. You know, you have to find something else that defines you because for 25 years of your life, every weekend was soccer. Yeah. And if someone walked up and said, oh, you know, get it, mate, tell us a bit about yourself. I play soccer. Mm. You know, oh, who do you play for? You know, and that's usually a pretty good rapport builder. Yeah. Um, rugby's even better because not a lot of people play rugby. So we get that little thing where you go, I play, oh, what position do you play? Oh, I play front row. Oh, okay, cool. You know, tell us a bit about that. Talk us through it. So it's a fantastic thing for actually, you know, starting conversation. Yeah, but great it, conversation. It's, it's a who you are. It's part of your identity. It becomes mm. part of your who you are as a person. And as I said, I'm still somewhere deep down inside a Fairvale old boy. Mm. And I'm, you know, with brown and gold. The ugly, At least you had good colours, black <laughs> yeah. and white. We had brown and gold. Yeah. The ugliest footy jerseys <laughs> in the face of the planet. Um, but um, I'm still a loose head prop. Mm-hmm. I follow prop pages on, on Facebook and yeah. laugh at jokes and only other props will get, you know, share it with my former prop mates and go, I oh, have a look at this. Have a good this, giggle. This is hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone else goes, what is that? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know, mate. You're a fullback. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you don't understand. You yeah. never actually played the game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that, that, uh, that, that element of being just slightly on the outside of that, mm. it's really bizarre. Yeah. It, what 30 years... Was that part of that as well? Yeah, I mean, over that time, the club itself had changed. And I could see that in the last couple of years. Not in a bad way, not, not by any means. But in a, in a way that, you know, we've grown up. Uh, guys have got kids. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, straight after the game and you know, have a bender until six in the morning. You know, things changed in that way. But then, you know, going back there and, and you know, maybe my squad is only 50% of guys that I actually know. So yeah. when cheering them on, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, go Clarky or go yeah, Huss yeah. or go, you know, whoever, because I don't know them. It's yeah. just go Beerong. Yeah. Um, 
and you, like you say, you know, I'm, I'm life member at the club, but there's probably people down there that don't know who I am. Yeah. Um, and uh, probably that that's a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not that I'm an outsider. And look, I, I don't I don't live in the area anymore. Yeah. Um, it's only been a year, but I, I have moved away, so it is a bit harder for me to get to games and things like yeah. that. But yeah, it, it's it's the little the little in jokes that you kind of miss out on being in that team yeah. environment, or the group message that you might not be in, or the. Yeah, yeah. Or um, you know the guys get a beer, get a get you know six pack of beers, and you might well, actually that never happens. They always get me a beer, so <laughs> that's not too bad. But yeah, it's just those little things that you kind of you miss being part of that team, yeah. let alone squad or club environment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think this year has been a big shock to me. Probably about halfway through the year, realizing that how much I need. A Tuesday night training session, yeah, to just kind of let all that stress out. Yeah, uh, a Saturday game time to just kind of get in, have a win, have yeah. a laugh, have a beer, and then I feel complete for the week. Yeah, it's those sorts of things that you take for granted. Yeah, and you know, we like you said, we've had a chat about these sorts of things, and you look at your superstar that you know, and I'm only putting in one or two training sessions in a game. Yeah, they're putting in. Yeah, well, use a swimmer for example. They're literally in the pool for that long every day. I read a thing. Libby Trickett, eighty-five hours a week. Yeah, eighty-five hours a week. Eighty-five. So that's two standard working weeks. There's, She's putting in one week. There's just only one hundred and sixty-eight hours in the week. So half of her week is literally swimming. swimming. So when you don't do it, what do you do? Yeah. Um, you know the the I guess the most documented one that I can think of this year is Greg Inglis. Yeah, yeah. Greg Inglis. You know, I think he was having his own. Uh, personal problems and and what have you but when he stopped playing football these guys are told what to eat mm. when to eat it mm. how to train when to train yeah this is the recovery session this is the recovery video yeah. this is when you got to be on this flight this is when you got to be on this bus yeah. so when you retire and s- stop being told what to do yeah what do you do yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and and that's the other thing as well. I mean, look, probably a sweeping generalisation, but I, I would suggest to you that most footballers are, are the the most money they're ever going to earn is being a footballer, you know. Um, and in terms of, you know, that's the the they've got this set of skills. That's all they're going to. That's the thing that they're going to be great at. Um, and outside of that, you know, maybe. They'll find something that they can really excel at. Yeah. But, you know, they're never going to be in a position where they can earn a million dollars a year again. No. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have to go back to a job that is $60,000, $70,000 a year. Mm. They're going to have to go back to not being told what to do, not having – not having. Uh, the, the, we were talking about this before off air, the fame and adulation. Like, I always sit there and, and the thing I always think – is I wonder what it feels like to have 80,000 people scream your name. Oh, it'd be, it'd be a dream. You know, I had 200 people. We played a grand final, um, uh, and we had about 200 people there, and we had a farewell chant going, and it was like, you know, awesome. Yeah. You know, 80,000 people. Yeah, it like, makes so, you lift. So it must be just this incredible um, come down, mm. I guess. Yeah, and, you know, I they, they have been saying, I know... Um, Andrew Johns is, is one that he's come out and said it took him a while to kind of get mm. back um, 
that that adrenaline that he needed. He you yeah. know, he lived for that adrenaline. And when you stop doing it, yeah. where do you get it from? Yeah. Where do you get that fix? Oh no. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I can't. The only thing I've say to people, the only thing I can say to you that was honestly as good as having someone cheer for you after a try or cheer for you in the game day like that was the birth of a child. Mm. Like that was the only thing I could say that that was as good, like the best thing ever. Mm. Like that was better than any of those things. It was better than knowing you'd won a, a major game. It was better than knowing you'd won a game for your club, all of those sorts of things, but having a child. But I can't imagine that there's 80,000 worth of people, you know, cheering for you. Like it, drugs yeah. would have to be the only other option, I guess, you know. Um what else? What yeah. else is there? The um the thing though, the other thing I read about Inglis, um, and he talked about last year, I think he was carrying an injury and he spent a fair bit of time in the rehab squad. Mm. And the rehab squad and, and, and I never really understood this, but they are separate from the first grade squad. Yeah, so I've you, heard a bit about this this year actually. <laughs> you you still train, but you train with a group of guys that are also all injured. Mm. You know, and it could be three or four of your best mates, but they're they're all just training separately. Mm. And the first grade squad is out training out on the field and they're running drills and they're running plays. And they're kind of doing the thing that we talked about as well, which is you are then sort of not part of that group. You're not playing in the games. You're not winning the games. Yeah. You're also not a part of the in-jokes, not a part of the, the stories. You're not the guy, you know. Yeah, you're oh, missing out on oh. you know, quite a lot. Oh, you should have been there, Joe. Oh, it was great. It was yeah. great. You would have loved it. Yeah. It was- Oh, that's right. I was just over here being injured. <laughs> <laughs> I was just over here riding a bike. Yeah. And he talks about um, the effect that that had on his mental health, just mm. that idea of, you know, I'm Greg Inglis. I, and, you know, Greg Inglis will go down as one of the best to ever play the game. I'm Greg Inglis. I am fantastic. Mm. But here I am doing – and I don't think he actually probably said that, but I'm sitting over here doing this. Yeah. Where I should be over there doing that. Yeah. I shouldn't be riding an be- exercise bike. I should be – Scoring winning tries, hundred percent South Sydney, and and that's you know with these these guys that do come back from injury, you know he struggled with it. You use someone like um, Billy Slater, yeah, his injury that the doctors have told him, mate, you're not playing football again. No, and his determination just to get back on the field, yep. love him or hate him, I clearly hate him, yeah. but <laughs> uh, you know you you take your hat off to him just for the determination to get back. Not just to play first grade, but to play yeah. the quality of football that he did yeah. was, you know, the mental aspect of it alone was huge because yeah. he he trained for an entire year. I'm sure it was about a year yeah. by himself. Yeah, you know that that's a lot of mental determination. That, that's yeah. Um, um, Tiger Woods is another good example of that. For all these controversies, his back basically gave out on him. Mm. Tiger had to go and have multiple surgeries and then had to go and relearn his golf swing yeah. and had to had to adjust it because he couldn't swing how he used to swing before. Had to adjust it in such a way that he still had the same power that he had, still had the same accuracy that he had, but had to completely relearn how to swing a golf club and has come back and, you know... Is, one is, of Yeah, one of And he's blitzing him. Mm. And like, you know, love him or hate him, you know, take out all the other rubbish about, you know, the divorce and everything. But... That's that's the toughness toughness of an elite level sportsman. Yeah, mentally tough. Mm. My favorite um, my favorite sporting performance of all time, nineteen ninety six Olympic Games, Kieran Perkins. Oh, abs- that was huge. Absolutely down and out, mm. and that guy gets in a pool. Is second after the first fifty. Is leading after the first hundred. And Never looked back. Dominates yeah. that 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 race. Mm. 
barely made it into the final, like scraped in by a couple of seconds, yeah. was down and out and just absolutely, blew. again, mental toughness was mm. incredible. But going back to what you're talking about, about um, being told what to do, um, reading a lot of stuff, and, and again, doing a bit of research for this, reading a lot of stuff about, um, and, and the AFL, and I don't know if they still have this program, but read about a program that they had called Max360, which was about developing players as people. So one of the, I guess, the the downsides of the modern game is that the players are now fully professional all the time. Mm. So they never have a job outside of football until they retire from football. And this was this program was about AFL players, like educating them, giving them some training. So a good example of this is um, the 1997 ACT Brumbies. Every player in that side was university educated, barring the hooker, was a guy named Marco Caputo, who was a carpenter, right? The the captain at the time was um, a fellow named uh, Brett. Brett was his last name. I can't remember. He was a doctor. The 5'8th was a guy named Pat Howard, who was a chemist, like a pharmacist. And they had these education and these careers and these jobs outside of football. So when they all left football, Joe Roth was an accountant. Um, when they left football, they all became had good careers to move on to and had these things that, that transition... Something was set in place. Well, the transition between sport life and their, their real world was you know probably a little bit easier. Whereas a lot of the elite athletes today, they don't have that, that same level of training. So a lot of the clubs are now focusing on education, on training, on doing some work a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. making that a part of their schedule. Um, and... Sending out more well-rounded, I guess, players that can actually go, okay, now I don't have anyone to tell me what to do yeah. and I have to think for myself, I can think for myself. Hmm. I can understand that. Um, the other thing I think people don't understand is, and just purely the benefit of your own mental health, as, and you touched on it before, just going out on a Tuesday night, having a couple of hours with your mates. Hmm. You know, and as much as you love your wife or you love your girlfriend or you love your family, that couple of hours away makes you a better person. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I think it it benefit for a few reasons. You know, that one you've just touched on. But you know, I often had days, and we all do days at work that are just an absolute nightmare. Yep. And you know, you're just stressed, and you could go home and you know drink six beers and yep. think you're better, but you're not. Yep. Or what I really enjoyed was having that training session where, you know, you ran a little bit harder. Yeah. Maybe you tackled the bloke a little bit harder. Yep. Whatever it may be, just so at the end of that training session, all that anger and and stress was gone, right. because you just left it all on the on the field. I had and, a um, I had a game where I broke up with a girl in the week leading up to the game. I was pretty pissed off, and uh, basically every time I looked across the scrum, every time I packed a scrum and I looked across it because. You, you know, you'd pack 20 scrums a game. Mm. And the first three or four are full on. And then you start to settle in a bit and you, you know, yeah. all right, come on, let's it's just... It's an NRL scrum yeah. after oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> you'd, still, you'd still hit, but it'd just be like, I'm not going to hit you hard on every scrum. Yeah. I'll only hit you on my scrums. I'm not going to try and do this. 
This day I went in and I just smashed this poor bloke on every single scrum. Yeah. And he comes up to me afterwards. He goes, mate, you have a point to prove today or what? Like, what was going on? Yeah. And I went, oh, sorry, mate, I broke up with a girl. And he goes, oh, can you warn me next yeah. time? <laughs> just let me know. That was awful. Yeah. And I went, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I, I yeah. shouldn't have done it. But, but um, it, at the end of it, you probably felt better because oh, you let out a lot of that stress, a it, lot of that. Absolutely um, amazing. Yeah. And it's so important. All right, so you do F45 now. What do you, what do, you do now to replace that? Uh, that's kind of where I'm at is I am looking for something to replace it. Yeah. Um, I do F45 for a couple of reasons. Uh, one... Because your wife's a, gorgeous. You don't want to lose her. Yeah, I've got, yep. got to keep yep. that up yep. Yep. and add to my good looks. Yeah. No, I, I do um, really early morning classes and it is for 45 minutes. So yep. I do it before... Um, my son and wife are awake. Yeah. So it doesn't affect the family. So I'm on my own time, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. Um, I do it also for my own, um, you know, I guess mental health yeah. because it's getting my body right. And once your body's right, your mind's right at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But I also do it because they tell me what to do. Yeah. So I go up, the class is already prepared, the weights are out, the, the equipment's out. I don't have to think about it and they tell me what to do, which kind of goes back to my training days yeah. that, you know, I know how to do all the exercises, yeah. but I don't have the motivation to do it myself. So, yeah. if someone tells me what to do, I'm fine to go ahead and do it and yeah. I'm enjoying it that way. But I do miss, you know, again, that team environment. Is there that, a group of guys there that are the same group of guys or guys that you connect with? Yeah, generally. Okay. But it's, you know, you're there, you, have, you might have a chat for two minutes beforehand, you yeah. have your workout, you have a high five and then you move on your way. Yeah. You're not... You know, you're not having a beer at six in the morning afterwards. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah great workout. Let's yeah. go to you know, do your day's work. So, it, you know, it is a bit of camaraderie there, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm getting that step and I'm, I'm moving towards, you know, I'm contemplating, am I going to go play a local over 35 soccer? Yeah. Just because there's some, you know, teams out there and it's just a bit of something or joining a social golf club or, yeah. you know, something like that yeah. because I'm fine... I'm finding that you know I'm lacking that team environment. Yeah. I need it. You you know you you crave it. Yeah, yeah. And you know I'm not comparing myself to these supreme athletes by any means. No. But in the same token, you know when that game is gone, what am I doing to fill it in? Yeah. yeah. You know you can't just stop playing and then just go to work and, and, and not have it. And mate, there's stacks of evidence. I mean, not only so you know the social benefits, but you know the chemical benefits and all the you know the nice <laughs> things that come out. You know endorphins and you know adrenaline and cortisol and you know serotonin and all these lovely chemicals that flow through our body when we exercise mm -hmm. and you know people talk about that buzz from exercising that's what they're talking about but it definitely has an impact on our on our emotional well-being it has an impact on our mental health has an impact on our, our cognitive well-being, so our ability to process, you know. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that goes when your mental health kind of is really poor is just your ability to reason, mm. you know, and be reasonable and think about things clearly, you know. And as you say, you go and play footy for an, an hour and a half and you smash a bloke for a, uh, an hour and a half and you come off and, and you're a bit clearer. Yeah. Like you, re you really are a little bit clearer. It's really incredible. But um, the only thing, I, I studied Hapkido on and off for a couple of years and – Studying Hapakito for 12 months, there was a group of guys there who were roughly my age, um, fitter than me and a little bit more advanced than me. And, and again, that rituals thing, I found those guys were lovely to me, like really nice, really friendly. Mm. Um, 
and it wasn't it wasn't they weren't horrible to me, but there was a just a noticeable shift when I did my first belt grading because it's like okay now you get it yeah you now you get what it means to be in our club because <laughs> they were super tough those gradings. You are truly one of us now. Yeah, you know, welcome to the inner circle. But um, but I had a similar thing where you had, you know, I, I did it from you know when um, Steve passed away, and of course he's the reason for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I went. I've got to do something. I've got to get back into something. I've got to get back into a group of people. And so we did have the same, effectively the same guys there week in, week out. We were a part of a club. We were part of a bigger club as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it, yeah, there was a couple of guys that were my age that I actually formed pretty good bonds with and keep in touch with now, even though I haven't sort of studied for about a year. Um, but it's it was the closest thing I found. I couldn't play rugby again. Mm. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd get, I'd probably, you know tear my hamstring just putting my boots on <laughs> oh. um but um but i you know well having said that no because hapkido was pretty tough intense physically mm. and it was the only thing i found that replaces it mm. you know the only thing i found that kind of got close to the team environment that i was used to i didn't get the buzz though mm. that was the thing with me because it wasn't that intense you know we, we do kicking and punching but there wasn't that intense kind of all over physicality that you kind of go, yeah, I really got a big, you know. But did you find that because it was almost like a solo sport yeah. compared to that team environment? Like you might have lifted for your team yeah. when playing rugby, which then lifted that guy and then the team lifted together. But, yeah. you know, if you're lifting for yourself... Yeah, and you had a role, the- you have a role to play and if you do your job properly, the team wins. Yeah. It doesn't really matter with that keto because... If you don't do your job properly, that's fine. You yeah. just haven't kicked well that night. Exactly. You know, nobody gets affected by that apart from you. Mm. You're the only person that gets affected by that. Um, so, are you going to play th- over 35s or <laughs> are we still haven't convinced? <laughs> no, no, I, I think I'm, I've <laughs> the funny story on that is uh, one of my neighbours is, is uh, playing in the local team that's just around the corner yeah. from us and... Uh, he's found out that I was you now 35, 36 this year. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, so you can play over 35. So I said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll think about it. Um, and then randomly have made friends with a mate of his uh, on my way to a Dragons game. Yep. Uh, such a small world through chatting, realize he actually plays for the same team. I'm yep. sure they've put their guys out to watch <laughs> me. <laughs> And, Listen, uh, we, hear, we hear he's a beer old legend. Yeah, we want to we want to get him over to the club. We want to. Wanna... And uh, I told them that I'm a striker. They said, "Oh, we actually need a striker." I said, "Oh, that's convenient." <laughs> um, so yeah, I think in the new year, I actually am considering putting the the boots back on and, and having a run, just a little casual kick around. Yeah, I think I you know playing Premier League for so long, you know, admittedly it's not professional by any means, but it was definitely more intense than you know, over 35s, an all-age side or whatever. I think I missed the point of um, when I went and watched these guys play a game that they just got on the field just to have a kick, just for something to do. And then at the end of it, they've earned that beer. And I think somewhere in my mindset, I'd forgotten that I can just go out there and have a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think in the new year, uh, that's where I'm aiming. I, so that's I think. part of that redefinition we talked about earlier on. Yeah. You'll still be a soccer player. Mm but you'll be a different version of that soccer player. Mentally, to be honest with you, the hardest thing <laughs> is going to be putting on a set of different colors. <laughs> that is going to be. And, t- and someone's going to send a photo to the guys in Beerong and they're all going to give it to me. <laughs> Can I tell you, though, it actually feels good. 
Well, I'm hoping it does because I'm actually... <laughs> it actually feels good. It, um, so I went from brown and gold of Fairvale, which was the ugliest jersey in the planet, brown and gold hoops, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's the jersey that's in my profile picture at the moment. That's yep. the Fairvale jersey. To a club called the Campbelltown Harlequins. And the Harlequins have the Harlequin-style jersey, which is the four quarters, the four squares, right? You mean you look like um, the girl that's on the... <laughs> Harley Quinn, that's yeah. it. We had red shorts. <laughs> Our colours were purple, black, green, and yellow. Wow. So I went from one of the ugliest jerseys in 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 rugby to one of the other ugliest jerseys in rugby. Yeah. The colours didn't get... The only, the only really good thing is we wore black shorts and yeah. black socks, and I liked wearing black shorts and black socks. <laughs> um, but it was just... I was like... Can I just play for a club that has like blue and gold or black green and, and gold or black <laughs> black and white's one of my favourites. Yeah. I love those colours. Like yeah. you know, the uh, the barbarians jersey. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um and I've bought jerseys that are black and white jerseys just because I like the look of the jerseys. Yeah. I don't know who the club is, but yeah. I've got that jersey and I just like the look of that jersey. I think it's really important. It's really important from a camaraderie point of view, and as I said, you redefine yourself so you can still be a soccer player. But you can just go out now and play it for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. You can have that connection with mates. You can have that connection with a group of men that are, you know, same age as you, mm. um, similar life experiences. As the old saying goes, with sportsmen, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> so you can sit around and tell bullshit stories about how the best goal I ever scored, yeah, it was, uh, mate, I went around 14 players. <laughs> or I went around three players twice, yeah. you know. <laughs> And kicked it off my left foot, which wasn't off my, my preferred side, but I was falling as I did it as well. It was yeah. amazing. I got ten of those stories <laughs> lined up for you, <laughs> mate. I, I played 120 games. I scored three tries. Yeah, <laughs> and I can tell you the absolute detail of every one of them, and I don't have to exaggerate because that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> but um, last couple, last couple of questions, because you said you couldn't get to an hour, and we're at 55 minutes. Wow! <laughs> Look at what you did. Um, <laughs> okay, so the. Number one tip for staying mentally healthy. What do you think you... What do you do just to keep yourself mentally strong? Uh, There's a few things. I think one I'm learning through your podcast has been great, but just in general is is talking. Yep. Um, You know, I think we're realizing, or I hope people are realizing these days that talking is... It's okay to talk. You... If you haven't been through that experience before chances are someone else has yep um but i I think you've got to be um you know selfish in a way that you have to make sure you look after your own self Mm -hmm. so being whether uh starting with just your mind or your body yep um but a combination of the two is key and and i find that you know hence why i do f45 training is because i need my body to be right so that my mind is right to get me through the rest of the day and family life and all those sorts of yeah. things. Yeah. Um, you know, I have not had, you know, your, your dark thoughts or your your extreme thoughts, but, you know, hearing the different stories, my mindset, I can see how it is quite easily to get to those stages. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've got a, a couple of mates at the moment that are um, one... Yeah, it's going through some things. I had another one that was, I found out during a time, actually was quite close to going through some serious things as your yeah. mate uh, yeah. Steve did. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you know, we we talked about it before, saying what is mental health. I think, to me, mental health, twenty years ago, 
compared to now yeah. is different. 20 years ago, to me, mental health was that guy that screamed at the train station that everyone knew. Yep. You know, he's got mental problems. Every suburb had one. Yeah, everyone's yep. got one. Yep. But mental health is more than that these days, or well, I feel. Yeah. Um, because there's so many different ranges. Yeah. You know, whether it be from, you know, you seriously got some mental problems that, you know, you're either born with it or you've developed. Or some things like your you, your friend last week was talking didn't realise it was an issue because yeah. he convinced himself otherwise. Oh, whether just, it be drinking or yeah. or uh, gambling or drugs or whatever it may be, yeah. your mental state is you know it's a it's a big thing. And I always say to people, everyone so everyone has mental health, and this is kind of my thing to change people's perspective on it. It's like the word I think I might have mentioned it last week. It's like the word diet. People talk about going on a diet. You don't go on a diet. Everyone has a diet. Mm. You eat a certain type of food. Yeah. You have a diet. You have a good diet or a bad diet, mm. but you have a diet. Everyone has mental health. And, I, and I'm and i starting to think of it in terms of waves. Sometimes we're just nice and calm. Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're down. Sometimes mm. we're up. But sometimes we're down. We're down for a really long time. And that's when we start to see things like depression and anxiety kick in. To me... Mental illness is a different thing again. So you think of things like schizophrenia and bipolar, which schizophrenia in particular um, is probably more of a a brain thing that was always going to be there mm. and was waiting to be unlocked yeah. in one way or another. And, and there's you know some evidence to suggest that you know kids start smoking pot around sixteen, and that's when we see the onset of um, schizophrenia. There's some evidence to suggest that could be the case. There's some evidence to say that it's just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. That's just the two things happen to happen at the same time. Um, but I, I have had a, a couple of people that I've worked with professionally who who say that you know I was fine until I started smoking drugs, and that just went click, and something clicked in my head. But um, to me, what I'm focused on is the person who has had sustained poor mental health. So it's happened for a period of time. And they've gotten to a point, and again, using the the physical kind of, and I think I might have touched on this last week, you know, you play 500 games of soccer, you don't walk out of that unscarred. Mm. You know, you walk out of that with bad ankles or bad knees, and if you don't look after them and treat them properly, when you get older, they will be a real issue for you. Mm. And um, to me, mental health is the same. So you will have, over your life, a series of traumas, mm. And if you don't have the things in place, as you said, exercise, diet, keeping your mind right, talking to people, whatever it is, if you don't have the things in place to make that, to deal with that, and you use things like drugs and alcohol and, and unhealthy coping mechanisms, over period, if you don't treat them properly at the start, over a period of time, it's going to get to the point where it becomes unmanageable. Yeah, and definitely. And now dealing with a, pardon me, a chronic condition, mm. you know. Um, like you said, you know, it, it goes in waves. But understanding that it's fine to go in waves. Yeah. You know, everyone has ups as they, they do downs. Yeah. But yeah. it's, you know, getting your mindset right to then know how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the big thing. And, um, and you know, the message we put out there and then the, the point of difference that we wanted to have was, and, and you've done this with the, the two guys that you spoke about, and, and one I knew a long time ago, one I still have connections with through you and see him fairly regularly, but, um, you know, you kind of went... I should have not talked to that guy for a while. I better call him. Mm. I better check where he's where he's up to. And I think I think we're up to about three guys that we we know together now. Yeah, I've got a couple of others that in in like my other circles of friends that have kind of come forward and said, yeah, this is the case. 
Um, so it it's amazing what will happen, as you say, when you start to talk about it and mm-hmm. you go, um, you know, we had the other day and we were talking about it over lunch and, and again, another mutual friend of ours spoke to me about her experience Yeah, and, and hopefully she comes onto the podcast and talks about it. I won't go too much into depth with it now just for her own confidentiality, but I'd never had that conversation with her before. Mm. And But it's that conversation that once the conversation starts between two people, yeah. Then the other person feels comfortable. It's like, okay, yeah. well, they're talking about it, so it's normal. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I've said it to you throughout, you know, just your podcast, your your Facebook page. I think it's a great starting point, and yep. I hope it's affecting. And I don't have major problems. I've got problems like everyone else does. Yep. It's part of life. But what I'm taking out of it, I'm hoping that it's really getting to the people that also need it because I think it's got so many positive things. So far, I know at least two people are alive because of it. So yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. That's, That's good fantastic. strike rate as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, last question. Um, when was the last time someone asked you how you were going? 57 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but apart from that, I, I don't recall. Um, I do spend not a lot of time, but I, I will credit myself that I do spend some time yeah. thinking about, you know, this person, that person, yep. and just shooting a text message. Yep. Um, I haven't needed it. Still love it if yep. I got a text message said, "How are you going, mate?" Yep. Because it would start that conversation, mate. Let me tell you, it's not always a text message. Sometimes mm. it's twenty-five cent wings. Yeah. They, they were good. <laughs> so, and Just some, saying, Wattle Grove Hotel, if you want to bring I, them back. I do. You don't, I don't think you realize it, but I do check in. And you, pretty much every time we catch up, mm. I'm just, how you going? You okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. You look all right? Everything good? Yep, cool. No mm. worries at all. And we usually in those moments end up having at least some conversation where we're talking about this topic. Yeah. So it's still me going thingy. So even if you don't think you are getting how yeah. you're going, mated, I am getting. You are getting how you're no, going. I appreciate mate. that. <laughs> but you're but you're you're one of the ones that I go. Okay, this is all right for now. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need a quick uh, fix this week. I'll go to Craig. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I've had a couple of bad ones. I'm just going to go and find a good one. You're okay. Yeah, good. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah. But you right. know, like you said, that you know, I might have been having a tough day, or you know, work's been a bit tough, or yeah. My my biggest thing at the moment is traveling to and from work is taking you know, taking its toll on me. Yeah. Um, but it does, you know, the times that we catch up for you know lunch or a beer or perhaps Simpsons trivia next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, th- those things have helped me through. And you know, I say, yeah, no one's asked me, but yeah, I do uh, take my hat off to you. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, putting that effort in. But I think, you know, if everyone is just doing that, you know, just that one mate, whether you think they're having. Um, a bad time or a good time. Yep. It doesn't take much just to send that message. So to reiterate, people, um, it's really simple. If you think somebody's just doing it tough, if you know someone that has had a hard time or you just haven't spoken to someone for a little while, pick up the phone, give them a call, send them a message. How are you going? Is everything okay? Um, if you're genuinely worried, now one of the things we don't talk about a lot, um, if you're genuinely worried about someone, and we do do a warning at the start of the podcast, but... Um, a lot of uh, a lot of the initiatives out there that get you to talk about things don't talk about what to do next. What to do next is, um, you know, I'd actually did this to someone today. Um, I, you know, how are you? And she was obviously visibly upset. And I said, are you okay? And she said, yep, yeah, don't worry, I'm talking to somebody. I've got a, a psych that I see. I'm like, okay, That's cool. Good. You're you're set. If you're not sure where to go, you can call Lifeline as a as a like a concerned person. Hey, I've got this this situation. What can I get I some do? advice? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, talk to your GP. Get them to talk to their GP. Um, if you're really concerned, and and if you hear someone say, "Look, no, I'm not okay," um, you know the the best advice is sit and listen to them. And if you you look at them and you think, "Man, I, I just think there's something more to this," just encourage them to go and talk to the doctor, mm-hmm. and 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 you know start on that path of recovery, as they call it in the mental health world. Mm. Um, sir, thank you. Thank you. That's all there is to it. It's as simple as that. No, it's been fantastic. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we're we'll back next week or next fortnight with uh, hopefully a, a very another very special guest on the podcast. <laughs> well, I don't think she's going to take much convincing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friend. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. 